This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Good morning, everybody. Uneducated economist here. Thought I'd talk a little bit about lumber this morning. I know a lot of you guys really like it when I do the lumber update videos. You know, many of you are in the building industry or real estate agents, um, you know, maybe even work in the mills or logging. And these lumber update videos were really helpful. You know, last year when we had those shortages, a lot of people were questioning what's going on? Why are we having these shortages? Why are the prices going up? And here on the Uneducated Economist YouTube channel, we were posting videos long before the shortages took place and all the way back to like 2018 when we were talking about the first major increase to the lumber prices when it hit 650 per thousand and everybody was free freaking out about that price. What we saw taking place was something up in the British Columbia area was pumping out a lot of lumber. They were in salvage mode. There was a bug infestation that had killed off a chunk of their forest. And they were going into, like I said, what they refer to as salvage mode, where they were cutting an overabundance of trees to try and, you know, salvage these things before they rot. This bug went in there, killed off a huge chunk of their forest, and what were they going to do other than just let it die? So they milled it up and started pumping that lumber down into the United States. That was towards the end of 2018. Lumber prices were running up to 650 per thousand. All of a sudden, there's trade wars all over the place. And Canada just gets nailed. The salvage mode comes to the British Columbia area anyway gets nailed. The salvage mode comes to an end. The tariffs start kicking in. Prices are falling like from 650 per thousand down to 300 per thousand. And those British Columbia mills just get nailed hard. And shutdowns and curtailments and inventory depletions all throughout 2019 were taking place. And so it was no surprise to me. As we start rolling into 2020 and everybody's locked down at home and all of a sudden wants to do a bunch of outdoor projects that they start wiping out the inventory levels. So this is stuff that we were reporting on for the entire time. I mean, when people were saying that this is, you know, inflation and dollar destruction and, you know, obviously, like, you know, the the problems from the Federal Reserve, like all their money printing, this is what was causing the lumber prices to go up. And I was like, nah, no, no, no. There was lumber shortages taking place long before this whole quantitative easing kicked in. Once those lumber shortages come to an end, you're going to see the prices fall. And that's exactly what happened. And so back in July of just this year, we saw lumber prices go from 1700 per thousand all the way down back into the 400 per thousand. And what did we see? mill curtailments and shutdowns, inventory depletions. And so this is one of the reasons why we're seeing the thousand per thousand mark right now, or the over thousand per thousand. I think we're even closer to 1200 per thousand now. And this is an insane number. Like when it comes to retail sales, a typical two by four would sell for around $3, like three and a half dollars, you know, would be kind of like a typical range for a two by four, eight standard and better. When it hit seventeen hundred per thousand, we had two by fours at thirteen dollars and fifty cents a piece. Now I tell you what, you can price a two by four at thirteen dollars and fifty cents a piece, 
but it doesn't mean people are buying them at $13.50 a piece. And what do we see? Inventory levels just dramatically rise. Bills were pumping out as much lumber as they could. There was even like, you know, talks of congressional hearings to figure out why there was such a lumber supply shortage. And I'm just thinking, man, if you had been watching UE the whole time, you wouldn't be asking that question. You would know why there was a lumber shortage happening. So once the lumber shortage had come to an end and the prices fell dramatically, the mills go back into curtailment, pulling back on some of that inventory again. What do we see happening, right? Now we see the prices starting to move back up again. So now I have to think, what is it that we're going to see going into the future? Because at some point, these inventory levels are going to rise again as people back off on their projects. There are some that are not going to be able to back off. Like once a builder has started their project, they are going to move forward with it. And if they cannot find the plywood at $50 a sheet, then they will be asking to pay $60 or $70 or $80 a sheet, whatever it is that they need to pay in order to get that material. Because if they stall that project out, it's going to cost them that much more in profit. And it's going to start deteriorating the house, which in turn will cost them more in profit. So it is critical for them to continue to get those materials regardless of the price. However, the guy who is thinking, man, I'll build a woodshed this year. Or maybe I will do that addition or whatever project that they had planned. A lot of times those projects can be like, well, you know, my prices of lumber is just way too high. I was planning on paying $1,500 for this fence, but now I got to pay $3,500 for the material. And the guy who was going to build it said that he would charge me $60 an hour last year, but now he wants $80 an hour this year. And he says he won't be able to do it for another six months. All this kind of comes to an ah, never mind kind of scenario. And once that happens, then you'll start seeing the prices come back down again. This is a whipsawing effect that is going to take place. There's, it's going to take a while to get this equilibrium to, to pan out. And it's not just me saying this. I'm going to leave a link down in the description for you guys to, uh, it was a video, I believe it was a PBS um, uh, episode talking about lumber prices in this whipsawing effect that has taken place. And, you know, one of these fancy economists or whatever explains it pretty well. And it's about 30 minutes into that video. So I'll leave a link down in the description for you, you guys. Go and check that out. It's a really good interview, and it describes pretty much what I was saying. So thank you very much, Charlie, the uh, gentleman who emailed me the link to that to that video. I really appreciate that, man. That was, that was right on. The other article I'm going to leave down there is to a Wall Street Journal article talking very much the same way, that there is pretty much an issue that had taken place in the British Columbia area and now a lot of these mills and stuff that are moving out of that British Columbia area and down into the southern part of the United States where there's a glut of trees taking place. Now, here's the thing. Setting up a mill isn't something that you can just like, oh, man, the prices are up. Get that mill fired up right now. It doesn't work like that. It's like, you know, from the time that you decide that you're even going to build a mill to the time it's up in operation, it's going to be like a long time, years. I mean, it could take, who knows, even just like, Taking an old mill and then bringing it up to speed, like mod, modern, <laughs> modernizing it. <laughs> I have a hard time talking sometimes. Okay, so modernizing this mill to bring it up to more automation. So like there's less, even less people working the mill, but that you can get more production going through it. That takes time. And where are they setting up? They're setting up down in the southern part of the United States. 
And the reason why they're doing that is because that's where the glut of trees are at. See, the British Columbia area, after the wildfires, bug infestations, overforestry, you know, just overlogging, has decimated the, the industry up there. So that's not coming back for another 30 to 40 years. Where are they going to go? Down to that southern part of the United States. See, years ago, they had this projection on how much demand for lumber there was going to be here at this time. And so... 20, 30 years ago, all these property owners just planted a bunch of this southern yellow pine, thinking that they'll come back to it in 20, 30 years and harvest all their, their pine trees and make a killing off of it. Well, it's time to harvest. The trees are the perfect size for these automated mills, and there's a glut of trees, and they're not getting top dollar for their trees. In fact, there was a sad story of a gentleman who had a Planted, planted his trees long before anybody else had. He's been sitting on them for a long time. And now he's ready to harvest, and he calls the mill up, says, hey, come check out my trees, my giant trees that I have for you. And they said, yeah, these are giant trees. In fact, they're a little bit too big for our automated system. We will buy your trees, but we're buying them for pulp price. Sorry. Talk about a devastating story. So now this is what's going to happen here coming into the future is that a lot of these mills, these big time Canadian mills who were operating up in the British Columbia area, they know that's over and they're going to go down to the southern part of the United States and start pumping out lumber from there. So now if you think about it, reestablishing the supply chain from the northern part of the United States or the Pacific Northwest area, not even just the United States, but up into Canada as well, and transferring that supply chain all the way down to the southern part of the United States or reestablishing it. I'm not saying transferring it because the ones up in the British Columbia area and Canada, those are all going to still exist just the same as they always have. It's just that the big time production of lumber, I think, is probably going to transfer from the Pacific Northwest area, even though we're probably going to produce just as much lumber as we always have. But there's going to be a huge amount coming out of that southern part of the United States where that glut of trees are at and where the mills are setting up right now. So that's what I see kind of going into the future is that we are going to have a very big whipsawing effect taking place within the lumber industry as we have like a situation in which that we were undersupplied, prices went up to 1700 per thousand, mills pumped out a bunch of lumber, people weren't buying, inventory levels filled up, and boom, we had a crash in price because we had an oversupply of lumber. Mills go into curtailment, start holding back on production, a bunch of people are wanting to take advantage of the low prices, start building a lot more, starts depleting the inventory, and the prices start to rise, right? Oversupply, undersupply, oversupply, this is going to be taking place for who knows how long. Until I'd imagine that we end up with a price level that is somewhere between 500 and 1,000 per thousand. Like 500 is too low, bills go into curtailment, 1,000 per thousand is too high, and people quit buying. So it's going to be somewhere in between that. All right, uneducated economist, you guys let me know. So I wanted to do some quick self-promotion here. I'm headed down to the Rebel Capitalist live event tomorrow. And if you wanted to follow me on the trip down there, I will be posting as much as I can on Instagram. So follow me on Instagram for the Rebel Capitalist live trip that I will be going on. And I also wanted to give a shout out to Peak Prosperity, Dr. Chris Martinson. Uh, he has a seminar taking place at the end of the month, and our man George Gammon is going to be speaking at this seminar as well. Now, I'm not getting paid to say this. I am just promoting peak prosperity out of the kindness of my heart. And really, I just wanted to give Dr. Martinson a big thank you for the crash course seminar that he had put together, the video course that he had put together better than probably 10, 12 years ago. 
And I tell you, when I was first getting into studying macroeconomics, it was the crash course from Dr. Chris Martinson that was very instrumental in getting me to do more research into, into macroeconomics and studying the economy. So thank you very much, Dr. Chris Martinson, for putting that crash course series together. And if you have the opportunity to go down to or to attend his uh, Peak Prosperity Seminar, I would love to hear how that went. So I will put links down in the description for both of those things. You guys let me know.